God bless you. We're so glad you're here. Let's just pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for fellowship. We just thank you for friends. Lord, we just thank you that, Lord, you have said that we are a friend of yours. Lord, I just thank you. We just bless your holy name. And, Lord, I just ask right now that your word would would come alive in our lives, Lord, that we would open our hearts, we would open our ears, we would open our eyes, Lord, that we would hear the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just acknowledge you, our God. You are great. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Church on the Hill. We're glad you're here. We have been talking from uh, James chapter 3 about the tongue. James chapter 3 about the tongue and about how it, the tongue um, will so guide, it will direct where you're going. Talking about the rudder of a ship, talking about the bit, bit in a horse's mouth. And last week and the week before, we have been learning that our tongues, that we determine our destiny by our tongue, by what we say. And last week we looked at the story of the 12 spies going out to spy out the promised land. And 10 spies went into the land and came back and said, the land is awesome, nevertheless. The land is great, look at all this fruit, look at all this stuff. It is definitely just like God said, it was a land filled with milk and honey. It's a, it's a prosperous land, however. You remember how we put that today? But... How many times do we do that? Man, things are great, and I feel like we're supposed to go this direction, or, or I've read that God's Word says this, but. Man, we need to leave that big but out. <laughs> nevertheless needed to be removed. And do you remember they said, nevertheless, it was a fatal word that caused the entire children of Israel to grab hold of it. And it caused the people to be disturbed and distressed. However, two spies, Joshua and Caleb, Refused to go along with this negative attitude. And do you remember what Caleb said? We are well able. We are well able to overcome it. But then here come the other ten spies. Uh, No, we're not. One set of the spies said the positive, the other said the negative. And as we follow the story, each group got exactly what they said. You remember? Each group's destiny was settled by their words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If if you weren't here last week, you need to go back and listen. You need to go back and read. You need to go back and read the story of Joshua and Caleb. Because I believe it is just a perfect illustration. The men that spoke negatively settled for death. The men that spoke positively received life. They settled their own destiny. Those who said we are not able were not able. And those who said we are able were able. Last week we started looking at the diseases of the tongue from this scripture that we've been reading. We looked at the first disease last week. Disease number one, excessive talking. If you remember, I showed you scripture saying whenever there's a lot of words around, sin is not far off. If you say too much, you're bound to say something wrong. How many times have you been there that you wished you had just stopped with that last sentence? 
Because as we add to our talking, as we add to our story, things seem to somehow get worse. Have you ever tried to dig yourself out of a problem and the more you talk, the worse it got? And you've realized if I would just shut up, I might could get out of this. (laughs) It says, to use too many words is the mark of a fool. Let's leave it at that. Disease number two. Idle or careless words. Matthew 12, 36 says this. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. (laughs) Just ponder on that. Just think about the words that have come out of your mouth. Maybe it will help the next word that comes out of your mouth. One day we're going to have to answer for what we've said. We're going to have to answer for words that were idle and insincere and that we didn't really mean and that we weren't prepared to stand behind or that we had not yet worked out in our life. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus says this, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's enough. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. If we say more than we mean, then the exaggeration or the unnecessary emphasis or overdoing in our speech comes from where? The evil one. How many times would just saying yes or no be sufficient for what the answer required? If you don't mean it, don't say it. If you follow that one rule, it will change your life. You know what? It's painful sometimes to say no. If someone's asking for something, it's easy to say yes and then to somehow slip, let it slip you and not do it. Scripture says that's wrong. Go ahead and say no. If you're not going to do it, say no. Do you know I have more respect for people that tell me no and, do, and don't do it than for people that tell me yes and don't do it? It's hard to take a no, but it's a respectful answer. Why? It's Scripture. Jesus said, either let your yes be yes or your no be no. Quit playing games with what you're saying. Try this process for a day. Try it for a week, then a month, then a year. Let it become a part of your life. All right, let's keep going. Diseases of the tongue. Gossip. Oh, just gets better and better, doesn't it? Look what Scripture says here in Leviticus chapter 19. Don't go about spreading slander among your people. What's going about spreading slander? It's idle, untrue, exaggerated, malicious talk. That is gossip. You know, the very title of Satan in the New Testament is this word devil, which means a slanderer. It means a slanderer in the Greek. That's the root meaning and the main description of Satan. If you go and, 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 and you're a gossiper or tell tales, you are actually doing Satan's work. 
getting kind of heavy. I know it. I know it. But who, who needs breakthrough? Breakthrough is going to come through your tongue. Do you know if you can get a hold of your tongue, what you're actually getting a hold of is your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm not coming in here to try to make you feel guilty. There is now no condemnation in Christ. There is only conviction. There's a big difference between conviction. Conviction is to rescue you. Condemnation is to push you down. God's not wanting to push you down. The Word of God's not trying to push you down. It's trying to lift you up. It's trying to rescue you. I want to encourage you. Put yourself as saying, I need this. I have a problem with my tongue. Why? Because Scripture says everybody does. Don't think, ooh, that that one's for my wife. Ooh, that one was for my husband. I hope he heard that. If he didn't, I'm going to tell him on the way home today. Boy, she, she needed that one. No. No. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Not only must, what must we be careful not to give out gossip, we have a responsibility, now hear me, not to receive gossip. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man, man's inmost parts. How true. You know, when we hear something, when we get a nugget of gossip, when we get something about somebody that's bad or shows somebody in bad light, do you know there's something in the human heart that rejoices? Why do you think news is all bad? Because people want to hear it. What is it about us that when we think something's going on, we got to know about it? What'd they do? What happened? What did you hear? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And you're th- sitting there thinking, who can I tell next? It is natural. You know, something, something hilarious happened to us last night. I'm talking about these choice morsels. Because they look so good and they taste so good. And we went to McDonald's last night and got milkshakes. And w- we had... Uh, We've not gotten milkshakes in forever. I don't remember the last time we got a milkshake. But sure enough, they put these lids on there, these, these uh, dome-shaped lids, and fill it full of uh, whipped cream and put a cherry on top. Well, what I didn't know is that my youngest hates cherries. Hates them. Didn't know it. So we're walking out, and they've got all their stuff. And, you know, we look like a kid in a candy store. And Elizabeth and I have got ice cream cones, and, you know, here we all go out. And it was, a, it was a chore. The people couldn't make it right. We waited 20 minutes on three milkshakes and three cones. So we're a glory, you know, just give us our cones or give us our money back. Just let us, let us leave. We don't want to be here. But here she goes. And I'm walking out the door, and I look at my youngest daughter, and she's digging her hand through that little hole on the top of that cup. I'm like, what are you doing? Get your hand out of there. It's like we don't know how to, how to handle a, 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 a cup. You know, it's like an icy. They can, they can fill it all the way to the very tip top, overflowing the cup. And she's digging her hand in there. What are you doing? Just drink the thing down, then take the lid off and get your cherry. I thought she wanted the cherry. But what I didn't know is she wanted it out. <laughs> so we didn't know it. And I said, leave the lid on. Drink your shake. Drink it down. You'll get your cherry later. So we didn't think anything else about it. So we start getting in the car and... How can I say this appropriately? 
uh, everything started going wrong. And it wasn't just with one child. It was everybody. All of a sudden, everybody was screaming, we are a dysfunctional McDonald's cone-shaped lid cut family. And I'm getting on the interstate. We were out of town, and Elizabeth was saying, can you pull over? And I couldn't pull over. I had cars behind me, and I was getting on. I'm like, I can't pull over. And I'm hearing people screaming, and, I, and, and all of a sudden, it got quiet. And then I hear the two older kids in the back go, oh, no. And, and then it jumped from one, and they go, oh. And then I hear Elizabeth go, oh. And she's got her hand backwards holding one of these shakes with the lid off with all the whipped cream in it. And, I mean, she's like this, and she can't, she can't switch hands. She can't get her hand turned around. And I've got other kids with cones with it going everywhere. Rita Marie goes, I've spilt on myself. And, you know, here we go. And I finally said, what's wrong with our family? I can't see anything. I'm just hearing all this, and I'm like, this is not like our family at all. Man, we can, we can attack an ice cream like no family can. <laughs> but Sarah Bet had taken her lid off with all the whipped cream in it and was going to get that cherry. <laughs> and we still didn't know why. Elizabeth had it all. Well, I bet we had 50 napkins, and every one of them got used at that moment. And there she is. The funny thing is, at the end, we were all eating and we were all done. And then I finally said, well, did you get your cherry? And she said, no, it's in the the napkins. No, we thought that's all she wanted was the cherry. Why didn't you get the cherry? I didn't want the cherry. What I'm trying to say here is, she identified that morsel as that she did not want it. And no matter what, it wasn't going in her mouth. It wasn't going in her mouth. And something that we have noticed, even in our own family, about gossip is, have you ever noticed, we've got four kids, and some other friends will talk negatively about one of our kids' siblings. You know, it it happens. We had my son, had a friend over years ago, and the, the, the kid once said, man, your little sister just gets on my nerves. And what wants to happen is, the brother wants to say, you know what, I know it. Sometimes she does get on my nerves. You know what Elizabeth said? No way, you send that right back to him. My sister's great. I love her. I'm going to defend my sister. That's how you return a gossip. That's how you don't receive a gossip. Next thing you know, you've let it into you. Now you've got division amongst brothers and sisters. You come in and, and, and I deal with marriage, marriage situations and it's so easy for it to become her against him. Somebody defend each other. Stop, stop receiving these negative thoughts about each other, about your siblings, about your coworkers. When somebody comes in and starts bad-mouthing, send it right back. Why? Because once it goes into you, let me tell you, it's sweet and you want to grab hold of it. How many times have someone said something negative about someone that you never had a problem with, but now you do? A gossip is like a piece of chocolate. When you've, not had, when you've fasted chocolate for 40 days and you finally get that piece of chocolate. Mmm. Yeah. That's what a gossip does. And it creates division. 
not only are we not supposed to say it, we're not supposed to receive it. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Be careful that when one of these choice morsels of gossip is placed in front of you that you don't swallow it. Why? Because they're poison. They taste sweet, but they poison us. And if we receive them into our hearts, our lives will become poisoned by that morsel of gossip. Proverbs 20 verse 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. You know someone that gossips? Don't tell them something that you don't want shared. The problem is, so many times that gossip is the one we're attracted to talk to. But a gossip betrays a confidence. Do you see how closely these diseases are related? If you listen to a gossip, you become an accessory to the fact. If you receive somebody who has stolen something and accept those goods from them, in legal terms, you have become an accessory. The same way to gossip. Psalm 15. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. These are various requirements for access into God's presence in order to dwell on his holy hill. Well, From this scripture, let's look at three things that we are to do. Number one, we are to walk with integrity. We need to be the man of God, the woman of God that God says that we are. We are to be someone of character. We are to be somebody. We are somebody. We are the king's kid. Walking with the authority and the name of Jesus. We should walk like it. We should talk like it. Number two, we should work righteousness. What's the right thing to do? Remember from James, if we know what's right to do and we don't do it, it's sin. We should continually be asking ourselves, what's the right thing to do? And then finally, we've got to speak the truth in our heart. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. Three things we must not do. Number one, slander with our tongues. Quit talking about people. Quit talking about people. You are going to be blessed for it. We must not do evil to our neighbor. That doesn't just mean your next door neighbor. But it also includes them. But we must not take a reproach or receive a reproach against our friends. When people speak something, we need to not receive it. When people are gossiping, we need to reject it. We need to not receive it. It's not enough that we don't slander. We cannot receive slander. We can't take up a reproach against someone whom we may know. You know what reproach means? Reproach means blame, discredit, disgrace, or shame. We're to build people up, not tear people down. Do you hear me? 
As Christ followers, we're to build people up, not tear people down. Do you know sinners came to Jesus? Do you know Jesus built them up and sent them away? He didn't tear them down. He started talking to everybody around him that was tearing them down. And let me tell you, you know, the woman at the well was worthy. She was sinful. She was full of sin. But what did he do? He uncovered her sin. He forgave her of her sin. And sent her on. What did he do? He encouraged her to do right. He got rid of all the slanderers, all the gossipers. That's the kind of people that we're to be. Get rid of the slanders and the gossipers. Lead them to Christ. Show them love and encourage them. Stand with them. Speak highly of them. We've had situations just this week with kids being mean to other kids and other kids coming to the rescue and saying, uh-uh, you're not, talking, you're not talking like that. And you know what it does to a friend when a friend stands up? Man, Stand up. Stand up for somebody. We must not eat those choice morsels of the gossip because they are poison. And many relationships are poisoned by eating them. Oh, I'm, I can't keep going. I got disease number four. I'll just prepare you. Is lying. God hates liars. That's where we'll start next week. But I want to encourage you. I think it's enough for us to take on excessive talking. I think it's enough to take on idle words. I think it's enough for us to take on this week gossip. Not, you may not be a gossiper, but you may be one that receives gossip. Don't raise your hands, but can you identify let me tell you, I'm a, I'm a pastor and a, and a businessman and someone that knows better, and it's still easy to get attracted to it. It's still easy to want to take that little bite of gossip and spread it. You know, it talks about our tongue being a wildfire. It's so easy to, to, to blow air on that fire and make it bigger. But do you know what our part is? To put the fire out. We have the ability with our tongue, with the Spirit of God in us, to put that fire out. That's what we're to do. And you know the Word of God tells us we'll be blessed for it. Can we do that? This morning we're going to take communion. And I want to encourage you as we renew our covenant with Christ, as we acknowledge the blood of Christ, as we acknowledge the broken body of Christ, as we receive this great gift again of this provision of the Father giving His Son, let's return that gift with taking a hard look at our tongue, taking a hard look of the actions that we have. Do you know I believe that when we let the wrong words go out of our mouth, that we're taking the Lord's name in vain? It doesn't take a GD, I hope you all know what that means, to, to take the Lord's name in vain. We are a Christ follower. We have been bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. And when we do not represent Christ correctly, I believe we take his name in vain.
can we, as we take communion this morning, make a commitment to Christ to follow Christ? Our commitment is to follow Christ, is to be a Christ follower, to believe in the resurrection, to believe that the Son of God came and paid the price for our sins, paid the price for our healing, paid the price for an abundant life. But not only do we acknowledge that, we need to be transformed. And you want to really show that you're transformed? Let God get a hold of your tongue. Amen. Will the ushers go ahead and come forward? As they come, I just want to ask you right now, and if you don't mind, let's just kind of put these two together this morning. I just want to ask you if you would just bow your heads as they get ready to serve. Do you know Jesus? Do you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, before we take communion, I just want to give you that opportunity right now just to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. I believe I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven of my sins. Right now where you sit, receive Christ.